You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Todd Wicks. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, September 28, 2021. Later in the program, we have A Few Minutes with the Mayor, a weekly segment where we pose questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. More coming up in the bottom half of tonight's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have an update on the local mask mandate, which has been extended through the month of October. More in the top half of tonight's show. But first, your daily headlines. At the September 24th COVID-19 press conference, Monroe County Board of Health Public Information Officer Kathy Hewitt announced the Board of Health's decision to extend the mask mandate until October 31st. She also explained the CDC guidelines on booster shots. CDC now recommends a booster dose of Pfizer for those who received the Pfizer vaccine as their current as their original series and who fall in the high-risk groups. This booster must be given at least six months following their second dose. The CDC says that people 65 and older and residents in long-term care settings should receive a booster shot. People aged 50 to 64 with underlying medical conditions should receive a booster shot. And you can find more information on those applicable underlying medical conditions on the CDC coronavirus pages. People 18 to 49 with underlying medical conditions may receive a booster shot based on their individual benefits and risk. And people 18 to 64 who are at increased risk for COVID exposure and transmission because of their occupational or institutional setting may receive a booster shot. Again, these recommendations are for people who received the Pfizer vaccination only and for booster shots are to be given at least six months after the second dose. IU Health President Brian Shockney reported that the number of COVID-19 cases at the hospital has slightly decreased. As this graph shows, our region is continuing to see a slow decline in COVID-19 patients in our South Central Region hospitals. This is good news. We look at these numbers daily and we are cautiously optimistic that they will continue to decrease. It took about uh, six weeks for us to see the decline to uh, basic, you know, kind of holding levels previously in our previous surge. So we're hopeful that we can quickly uh, decline. The numbers here in Monroe County between IU Health and Monroe Hospital show the same pattern. Indiana University Chief Health Officer Aaron Carroll shared IU's positive COVID-19 cases decreased last week, only reporting 62 cases on campus. Well, in general, outdoor events tend to be very safe uh, when it comes to COVID throughout the pandemic. Um, there have been very few large scale transmission events uh, when they when they occur outdoors. Of course, what we are much more concerned about is all of the events that go on uh, in conjunction with a large outdoor event. Um, more people gathering in bars, in restaurants and in large indoor gatherings and parties. That's where uh 
transmission is much more likely to occur. Of course, if we're being very honest, those things all occur whether or not we have a football game. Um, parties are going to occur. Bars are full. Restaurants are full. Large indoor gatherings are occurring. And so we continue our vigilance and talking to all of our constituents, especially our students, about being careful in those extra settings, regardless of whether there are large outdoor events. Journalist Dave Askins asked how individuals who have not gotten the vaccine so far and might not want to get the vaccine can be encouraged to get vaccinated now. He's asked specifically on behalf of individuals who might feel as though they are admitting that up until this point, they might have been wrong. Carol explained that individuals have gotten a lot of new information recently. The increased risk of the Delta variant and the official FDA approval of the vaccine, which make changing one's mind on the COVID-19 vaccine very reasonable. First of all, I, I would encourage them to get over that, that this is not there's no reason to be right. We all just want to be happy here. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone will be safer if they get vaccinated. If you need an excuse much more recently, I think you could point to recent data and seeing that that the hospitals are still filling up, that things are still very dangerous. The Delta is even more infectious uh, than we had you know, previously seen with other variants. And so the danger is the likelihood you're going to get infected is higher now than it was before. And so maybe now the, the risk threshold is past your level of comfort in order to get vaccinated. I think you could also point to the fact that vaccines have now been approved. We have even more safety data than we did in the past. We have even more evidence that these are incredibly good at preventing the bad outcomes that we're worried about, hospitalization, death, ICU stay, anything else. Um, and given that increased level of evidence and increased level of safety, that even someone who was on the fence before could now uh, feel much more comfortable that this is the right decision. Shockney also gave a reminder that vaccines are confidential and no one will know that you received the vaccine unless you tell them. Also say that um, you're not wrong, you're enlightened. Um, and so uh, that's, you know, more data, as, as Dr. Carroll said, more data and information. I do want to tell a story. So we did have through our shot clinics and then, you know, 91 plus thousand um, vaccines that we gave. We had an individual who she came and got her shot, but she was fearful because her husband was not supportive of, uh, did not believe that a vaccine was necessary. Um, I say that because it is a very confidential process. Um, so, you, you know, we follow all the HIPAA guidelines and if you would come to get a vaccine, no one would know but you. Um, everyone who is there keeps very confidential, even if it's your neighbor, they are sworn, you know, to secrecy. They cannot tell by, by law and if they saw you there. So it's a very confidential process, very easy process. And as we uh, go forward, we would uh, just encourage you to think about that from uh, you, you can do it and you don't have to admit to anyone that you got your shot. Uh, we'll give it to you and never say another word. The next COVID-19 press conference will be held on October 1st. At the Oddsville Town Council meeting on September 27th, the council approved the 2022 budget unanimously. During public comment, Ellettsville resident Russ Ryle informed the council about a flooding concern he has. I want to give a big thanks to the uh, utility department. Thursday, when we had our little rain shower, at three in the afternoon, I looked into my bathrooms and both of my bathtubs had over three inches of stormwater backed up in them. A quick call downtown got response of two men in the truck uh, within 20 minutes. They found that the main line 
that drains this entire quadrant of Ellettsville was backed up. They brought this, the vacuum truck out and cleared it. But my concern is we only had an inch and a quarter of rain mm -hmm. measured in two different rain gauges over a four or five hour period that caused this backup. We've got a square mile of undeveloped land south and west of me, which eventually will be developed, greatly increasing the amount of impervial surfaces over that area. Apparently, we have inadequate sewer uh, facilities to support such development. And I'd like to see some uh, action on that or comments. The council members suggested that he contact the sewer department. The next meeting will be on October 12th. Due to rising COVID-19 cases, the city of Bloomington has placed a week-long pause on recycling services. According to a city press release, after a spike in COVID-19 cases and close contacts at the sanitation division, the workforce numbers are currently half of what is needed for normal operations. Public Works Director Adam Wason elaborated on what caused the week-long halt in sanitation services. Well, unfortunately, it was a spike in COVID positive cases among staff members and uh, the resulting close contacts by the nature of that work that resulted in uh, 10 staff members being off this week. The city asks household not to place recycling bins at the curb this week. In the meantime, you can take your recyclables to one of the Monroe County Recycle Centers. More information on locations and how to recycle can be found at gogreendistrict.com. Wayson explained other initiatives the Sanitation Division explores as temporary solutions until regular recycling services resume. You know, so we've um, communicated with the uh, Monroe County Solid Waste Management District, the Go Green District um, on South Walnut, and their rural drop-off sites are available for any city residents to use, as they always are. But uh, we gave them a heads up that they may see some increased volume with our uh, suspension of services uh, for the time being. And... Um, so they've got the recycling facility on South Walnut Street there um, between Rora Road and uh, um, back to the North Winslow by the um, National Guard Armory there. Um, and then they've also got, I believe, four rural drop-off sites off of uh, Bethel Lane and Ord Road and down off at Dillman Road. And I believe there's one other out in the county as well. But um, so those are options. Um, we also recognize that, you know, not, not everybody will be able to take advantage of those options and uh, that they can be an inconvenience to try to get your stuff there. So we're also recognizing that, you know, over the next several weeks, we'll probably need to do um, additional pickups and uh, pick up the additional, some additional volume from residents that can't get their uh, recycling to other locations. As of this week, 110 positive COVID-19 test results have been reported by city workers since the start of the pandemic. That includes workers for Bloomington Utilities, Bloomington Transit, and the Bloomington Housing Authority. Furthermore, COVID-19 was listed as a cause of death of one city worker. Wayson touched on how the city hopes to prevent transmission of COVID-19 among city workers. So, you know, as with most large employers and, you know, with basic common sense, we're, um, you know, requiring um, the, the basic precautions. So, um, you know, we still have a mask mandate in, in place that whenever you're within six feet of another human being, uh, you need to have your mask on. Um, you know, encouraging the hand washing, encouraging um 
you know, folks to always social distance when possible. Um, so the basic things that we've been doing since the start of the pandemic, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, much of this has been um, politicized and, and much of this has been, um, uh, you know, part of misinformation campaigns. So you've got a lot of folks that maybe don't believe the science or um, some of the precautions actually helping prevent the spread of the disease. And, and I think we've probably seen that as well. So, um, you know, we're just really focusing in on uh, talking about the importance of becoming vaccinated for any of our staff members that haven't chosen to get vaccinated yet. Uh, we're talking about the importance of keeping your, your, your coworkers safe and that this is a team environment and that you becoming vaccinated and you taking the necessary precautions is helping keep everyone safer. So it's kind of that community approach and, uh, um, you know, and, you know, always encouraging and requiring the, you know, the basic, you know, mask wearing and things like that. Wayson said he hopes sanitation services will pick up again starting next Monday. However, he said it depends on whether the city workers who either tested positive or were close contacts can be cleared to return to work. Now it's time for a few minutes with the mayor, a weekly segment where we pose questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. In today's minutes with the mayor, Assistant News Director Noelle Herhusky Schneider asks the mayor about annexation, the Parks Department, renewable energy, and more. A few minutes with the mayor airs each Tuesday at 5 p.m. during the WFHB local news. We now turn to Her Husky Schneider for that interview. Welcome back to Minutes with the Mayor, where we ask your questions and questions we have about what's going on around town. So it's official. The Bloomington City Council approved seven of the eight proposed areas for annexation. Now the county can start the remonstration process if they desire to do so. We were wondering what your expectations are for the remonstration process and what that entails for Bloomington. It is a, a detailed state legislative determined process uh, annexation, and we've gone through much of it. But as you indicated, there is an opportunity for property owners, for parcel owners to uh, object to or get more information or whatever about annexation. And that process will run for a few months, uh, through 90 days or so. Uh, and we hope that we will come through that and be able to move forward with the with the annexation, which I think is good for the city and good for the region. And, and uh, but we'll see each of those each of those property owners will get a mailing uh, under state state procedures. We send a mailing to all of them to indicate their rights and uh, kind of the next steps. Mm -hmm. You guys don't expect some of their remonstrations going through because I know it requires 65% of property owners. Well, I hope 
that the annexations will go through and that we won't have uh, remonstrations that take everybody to court uh, or stop the annexations, but we'll find out that's how the process mm-hmm. works. And um, uh, each, each um, you know, I hope people will, will look at each of their um, their options and, and we want to welcome them into the community just as people have been welcomed into this community for our first 185 years and uh, as we've grown and, and I think it's worked out very well for people in the city. It's how we it's how we continue to provide the services that people expect and, and want to see and, and we really look forward to welcoming folks into the city and, and uh, it takes a number of years. They they don't come in until 24, taxes, uh, uh, program delivery starts in 24 and it's extended through several years and I do like to remind people that Bloomington is a very low tax uh, jurisdiction actually. If you, you often surprise people if you tell them the truth which is that of the 20 largest cities in Indiana, Bloomington has the second lowest uh, property tax rate. Uh, and if you look at income tax, which is is a countywide system, we're the lowest of all the seven neighboring counties. So um, we, we really are able to do a lot of good things uh, working together that way. Well, I, I am surprised about that, actually. Um, and that makes me want to jump to a question that I plan to ask you later on. But you mentioned that, you know, we're able to fund all of these things with a relatively low budget. And that's very impressive. I just got the press release from your department, um, from Yael Cassander, about the Parks and Recreations accreditation. I thought that was really cool. And I know that they do some great work. Yeah, I was just wondering what that means about Bloomington and for Bloomington. Well, the Parks and Recreation Department uh, for, for 20 plus years now has gone through national accreditation uh, to kind of benchmark ourselves and make sure we have some outsiders come in and look at us. And we're very pleased uh, that we continue to win the national accreditation. Uh, And this latest one that we announced was we actually scored 100% on the test. It's kind of like acing, getting every question. There are 154 categories, and we got it's. – we've never done this before uh, where we scored 100%. Um, you know, we're incredibly proud. The community strongly supports our parks department. They've won national gold medals where they pick one department a year in a city our size. We've done that twice. So, you know, we're very, very proud of the of the department, and I think the community embraces it. So we just want to keep keep getting better, and we'll continue to try to learn and, and improve and build more trails and parks and increase our programs. And, you know, that's another thing that when you join the city, you're helping the parks department expand and provide services uh, and support in this great part of our community. So that was, that's literally a gold star. <laughs> it's true. We did. <laughs> that's awesome. I, it's literally a gold medal, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a new achievement. We're very proud of them. That's great. Just a, you know, a more fun question, softball at you. If you could recommend a park for our listeners, but I, I get the feeling that you don't like per, like favorites. So maybe uh, the first park that you think of, uh, recommend for our listeners to check out. Well, I'll mention two, our oldest and our newest. How about that? That All way right. I, yeah, I give you a reason. So I certainly encourage everybody who, who hasn't been there, or if you have, to go back to the newest park, uh, which is Switchyard Park on the south side uh, in between Walnut and uh, Rogers, and, and just a spectacular 60-plus acres of of fun and, and natural beauty and uh, activities. And, and I hope people at Beeline Trail goes right through it and hope you can enjoy that. Um, but I also would encourage you to visit the oldest park. And the oldest park in the city is Cascades Park. 
and that'll be turning 100 years old here very shortly. And that's a beautiful park, too, on the north end of the city. In fact, uh, the roadway is, I think, still closed, uh, so you can you can actually walk through parts of it that sometimes are, are roadway. Um, and there'll be some new construction to get you up to the waterfall. We're going to put a, uh, a handicap-accessible uh, trail up to the waterfall, and it's just a spectacular uh, river valley that I would encourage people to go, a wonderful play structure. And uh, so in, in between the oldest and the newest, there are about 30 or 30-some other odd parks you can visit uh, anywhere in your neighborhood. That waterfall really surprised me. I felt like I was all of a sudden in Oregon or something. And I'm like, wait, I'm still in Bloomington. But it's really gorgeous. And I also would recommend it. It is pretty. And, and you can enjoy the uh, the legacy of the of the um, uh, post-Depression FDR Works Project Administration, Works Progress Administration, some of those old uh, furniture uh, uh, tables and picnics and walls that can remind you of uh, the big public works projects back in the 1930s that you can still see evident down there. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of something that it's off local subject, but it just makes me kind of wonder. Um, so, yeah, I know the FDR the New Deal and everything um, programs were to thank for those structures that you can find in parks around here. And I've had some picnics in those structures, and I think they're really great. Um, and, you know, that makes me just curious about what you personally think about the Green New Deal. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a, a big proponent of, of the Green New Deal in general. It's it, it kind of there's not an exact definition of what that is, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I think is incredibly important is I think it's really important for our, our country and, and also our state and our community to move forward on addressing climate change, um, uh, both to make sure we have a, uh, a livable planet and a livable community, uh, also to do it in a way that makes sure everybody is included and can participate in it. So I think the best of what the Green New Deal is trying to do is to say, let's make sure we um, build uh, a, an economy and a community that that is responsible for fu- toward future generations, but that also is equitable and inclusive right now in terms of job creation in terms of housing opportunities in terms of making sure people can can have a full opportunity and i i deeply believe in that i think bloomington is working toward that but uh, it's not just something each community needs to do i do think the mm-hmm. national leadership is very important and i'm pleased to see that uh, increasing nice yeah and so i read in the indie star an article about putting a price on carbon and it states that indiana is one of the leading energy related co2 emitters in the country and I know that Bloomington and IU have really been urged by the public to reduce, if not eliminate, our carbon footprint um, by switching from coal to renewable energy. And I was wondering if you could outline for me how Bloomington plans to switch to renewable energy in the future. Well, thank you. Uh, we've adopted, actually, for the first time ever, a, a climate action plan, and I'm pleased that we developed that through a big public process. And it does uh, set particular goals uh, for us to become a carbon-free community. That's a big lift. It's it's not something the city government can do on its own. It's something that we have to do in collaboration with institutions like IU or other big big 
players in town as well as individual households and and our uh, our different sectors our energy sector you know our our own carbon profile as residents of Bloomington is significantly um, high in in significant part because of the fact that we all use coal-based electricity here. Uh, in the city, we've we've uh, four or five times increased our solar production. You may notice in parks and on building roofs uh, that the city controls, we've added a lot of solar panels, uh, and there's a lot more to be done on that. We're we're improving our wastewater plant. Another fun fact many people don't know is that about 10% of all the energy used uh, in the county is done uh, to move, to process and move water around. Mm. Water is very energy intensive and we're working very hard to put solar in and to increase efficiency of blowers and different machinery and pumps that we use. Um, but all that needs to be done every day, every year, uh, making progress on that. And we're very deeply committed to that. That's interesting. I, I would not have thought about the water thing. We normally think of it as generating energy. You do um, when you have a waterfall, but when you have to pump it and Mm -hmm. clean it and move it to every household, that takes a huge amount of energy with all that weight. Um, And then uh, processing and cleaning it both to be drinking, to drink it, and then to process and clean it uh, from the wastewater takes a lot of energy too. I'm thinking that maybe our listeners will maybe have some more questions on this. So if you guys are listening to this and you do, ask next week. I'm going to switch to a slightly different question. And I think this will be my last one for today. I read in the Indie Star another article about the rental assistance program. And I also listened to, I believe, Brent Pierce at the Bloomington Redevelopment Commission just briefly mentioned that it's, quote, really, really important, unquote. Uh, he added two realists, which I thought was <laughs> good. Um, that it's really important that we disseminate this money that the federal government has given us. And according to the Indy Star article, Indiana has a bunch of this federal money and we're not giving it out to people. I was just wondering how Bloomington plans to disseminate this money. Well, thank you for asking. And it, it is very important, um, really, really important, I guess, is the <laughs> quote, the, that we help people identify uh, resources that are there. We want, if anybody has any questions and we can be helpful, uh, you can call my office, 349-3406, to get more information. But in general, uh, there are state programs that help people who are uh, who are facing eviction or need, need uh, rental assistance uh, in relation to the pandemic. Uh, but, but more generally than that, we just – let me just say this. If people are struggling, uh, it is always better to reach out as soon as you can rather than when – uh, really calamity is, is right at the door. It's much better to reach out and say, I'm facing pressure on my rent. What are my options? There's, there's resources mm-hmm. at the city and the state. There are resources at the township trustee level. So I would just encourage people, you could go online and, and search for rental assistance. You can call our office again at 349-3406, uh, which we can get you directly to the right department. But there's a lot of help there. Uh, it's not always for what everybody wants, but it's certainly better to ask uh, and find out what the options are than not to know. Mm-hmm. And again, I would encourage you to ask early uh, if you see problems uh, developing. Yeah, I think that was one of the critiques of um, the program was that for some people, it's too little too late. If you've already been evicted, uh, they make it so, according to the article, you have to be currently renting. Mm. 
to get the some funding. So what if it's what if you don't ask first, like in time? Yeah, and you know, there's there are resources. Uh, of course, we deal with people who who lose their housing um, and are experiencing homelessness uh, every day through through our partners and and a lot of folks in town trying to help people. Um, we have many people go through homelessness and get back into housing uh, each year through lots of help from nonprofit partners and others. And so, uh, again, you can call our office uh, or go mm-hmm. online. There are lots of partners who want to help people uh, because we want everybody to have a home. Uh, we want anybody who experiences homelessness to have it be brief and non-repeating and rare. And, and uh, we'll continue to work with all of our partners on that. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you next week. If you have any questions, please send us an email at wfhb.org or give us a call. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Noel Herhusky Schneider. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Todd Wicks. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at WFHB.org. Stay tuned for Planetary Radio, an exploration into the solar system and beyond. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 